Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Lily Grace, of course, and today's guests are co-founders Marcus and Sarah from Flourish and Foundry. They are thinking outside the box when it comes to furnishing your home in an ethical, sustainable, meaningful way. They are telling their why behind their business and where they're at when it comes to opening their first of many brick and mortar stores. Stay tuned for this episode as we dive deep into their childhood, into their past, and into their present and future. I love this episode and I learned so much about both of them and their beautiful business, Flourish and Foundry. Welcome back to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. Today we have Marcus and Sarah on the show. Thank you for coming on, and they're talking about Flourish and Foundry. So I'm so excited. Thanks for coming here in person, too. It's so exciting. Thank you. In, in person preferred. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love, honestly. We love it. We I love, love it. it. I still feel like I miss it. Like, we've been doing it for a while now again, but it still feels special yeah. to, like, meet yeah, with people. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And... I start out with what defines your lifestyle. So Marcus, do you want to start? Sure. Um, What defines my lifestyle? Um, I think purpose. That's a really good answer. And can you- Doesn't always mean good purpose or bad purpose. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like I, you know, I'm a designer and I like, I notice things and I like am intentional about things. but for example, like on a sunny day, like today, I am really inclined to be outside and like be in the sun, not for any other reason besides like, I feel like my day will be fulfilled by feeling recharged by the sun. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that goes for every like small or large detail of kind of what I do on a daily basis. Fabulous. And then Sarah, what defines your lifestyle? I'm just glad you went first because you <laughs> set the bar. So um, I think it's kind of that idea of how life happens in seasons and also wearing a lot of hats, which is kind of sounds like fashion and fall right now. But the idea of um, it just keeps changing and evolving. Like right now I'm in a very family driven, mm. but also entrepreneurial. So it's bouncing around and those are all the different hats, but like, the modes change. That's where I am right now. What defines the current lifestyle is kind of like family, entrepreneur, figure it out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and you are merging together too. Correct. How yeah. did you meet? <laughs> well, I uh, went to the, I moved to Boston to go to the Boston Architectural College. And there, um, myself and another BAC colleague created a group that brought together IIDA and ASID just so that the students could have a place that was kind of a collective understanding of how to network in the interior design industry. And somewhere along the road after the, my first semester, we received an email from Sarah Boissel <laughs> at the time, not knowing who she was. And you came to the BAC, you know, that fall semester and we met. And then a few months later, I think we realized that you had actually, e- we had been emailing corresponding really, yes. beforehand because you were yeah. really interested in like, you know, what we were doing as students getting involved in networking. Yeah. Um, and then we had a number of classes together. Right away. It was kismet from the beginning. Yeah. 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 I um, love that. And did you know that years down the line, you'd be working together? Did you have that moment? Yes. Yeah, I think we definitely did. We, yeah, we've overlapped at a couple of different like jobs, you know, but I would say within the first couple of years, we definitely realized that someday when we did our own thing, we'd want to do it together. Well, and throughout school, we were on committees together. So not just me like hopping in on what you were doing, but then you and I ended up running these things. So we were all always this little like pair and we would sit down and think, how could this be done better? Or what can we do to like build community? It was always about community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who came up with the idea of Flourish and Foundry? How did you get to that point? Us. It's so, what I really like about us is that we think a lot of, oh, what's I like, we think alike. We can, we think of things together at the same time. We've reached conclusions in a little bit of different ways, but we really are, we share a lot of the same values. Mm -hmm. So we would sit down and say, want to do something. What do we want to do? And this is a process of a few years even of just meeting for coffee and just talking. And um, we never were meant to go like a traditional path and we felt that. So what does Mm -hmm. that mean? 
archaeological <laughs> dig of just like scraping away and seeing what was under there and we just really it was collaborative we did that together yeah and the idea of, of flourish and foundry i mean really started before we ever had the name or really knew exactly what it would what it's becoming now um but it was you know sarah and another friend of ours michael Hopefully Michael's watching this. Um, you know, really kind of we're discussing the idea of home decor and just how to do it better. Um, I think the idea really started as more of a subscription service. Um, that's obviously evolved over years to what we're creating now. Um, but really at the heart of Flourish and Foundry was always this idea of um, providing better options for the consumer, things that are made by real human beings mm -hmm. that are not mass produced in the way that a lot of things are when you purchase them from a corporate uh, store or online shop or whatever. And uh, it was always really centered around people. Um, and so that that kind of central idea has always been there. Um, and we just knew that there was a way to do it better, but it, it took us a really long time to kind of figure out what that means. Mm. So it was a journey. Oh, yeah. Definitely it's been a journey. Yeah, I think <laughs> the initial kind of, I mean, obviously we talked to, about working together before this, but sure. we didn't know what it was going to be. But I think the initial idea was like, our concept was discussed in like 2016. That's beautiful. So it's been yeah. a, it's been seven years. Yeah. Actually, almost exactly like about seven years. But in my mind, that sets us up for the long haul because the thing is, especially with your own business, it's never going to be this is what it is and this is perfect. And that's fine. And so we're actually super comfortable with that. Like mm -hmm. it's always going to be a journey. We're going to have these milestones. Like we're going to open our first door and that's going to be amazing. But that's just a node on the full journey. For which, sure. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. I love hearing the why behind mm -hmm. the mission and the brand. And I think that's what we're getting into today. And to dig even deeper behind you two as individuals, what is something from your childhood that made you want to create a different path and not be so mainstream and just take chances? Because that's what an entrepreneur does. Mm -hmm. Totally. Oh. You go first on this one. <laughs> so I noticed when I was really little, the games that I loved to really play for my imagination games, I would run my own hotel. I would do all the graphics. I would, this is no surprise. Pretend restaurant, and I would probably be a pop up for a whole week. And I again would like make the menus, and I thought I knew cursive, and it was really just scribbles like that kind of an idea of I've always just wanted to like build my own thing. And then I also have always been fascinated with like finding something and wanting to make it my own way. I'm gonna date myself, but hemp necklaces were really popular for a while mm -hmm. um, in high school. And so I would see them in the store and I'd like need to know how to make it myself, like mm -hmm. not wanna buy it. So I think I'd always had that little um, carve out your own niche, mm -hmm. make it yourself, figure it out kind of a I love thing. that. What about you? Um, I don't know if I can really think about maybe one particular childhood thing, but I will say, um, I mean, what we're doing now is really centered in or kind of focuses on design in the general sense. And I've, I think I've always been a designer. I don't think I really knew what that meant until I was a full grown adult, just because I didn't grow up seeing designers or knowing what really what interior design was, or really knowing where the products that we had in our home came from, or like who designed the sofa or our room. But, um, similarly, I liked, I like to create things. Mm -hmm. That's been very consistent, um, whether it was sort of drawing or building forts or whatever else when I was a kid. Um, I will say, though, like looking back, I think the, I was raised in a very traditional kind of religious household and not I don't look back at them. It was not oppressive to me or it's not really like there wasn't like major hardship because of that. But I think somewhere deep down, I felt like I needed to push back against tradition or push back against kind of the way things were prescribed because I don't identify personally um, with a lot of those things. And so I, there's always been a little, a little bit of rebellious mm. nature to me. If my mom ever watches this, she would definitely <laughs> say like, oh yeah, totally rebellious about very maybe particular <laughs> things. And I think that that's kind of what we're starting to see as we are making this business is we're, you kind of go down a path of whatever we're doing, even if it's the most minute, silly task with inventory or something like that. And we're like, but we do, we really need to do it that way. Yeah meaning a way we've learned in the corporate world. Um, and so I think my rebellious nature kind of 
initial, um, makes me feel like I should question things, which sometimes can get in the way. But I think what it's actually, for me, what it's doing is actually liberating me and, and making me feel like we can do this in a different way that is inherently more purposeful. Mm. My um, next moment that I've looked at, that was when I was a little older, though. I was just talking to my college roommate about it the other night. I said, do you remember what my major was? And she said, oh, yeah, it was something funky. And I said, it was called bachelor's degree of independent curriculum. So not like anything that would have. <laughs> Made up degree. <laughs> this is at UMass Amherst. And how it started was I went into school as a pre-journalism major and thought wow. I was going to write. And then I took a Shakespeare class and I got an A++ on a test. And I went straight into the guidance <laughs> counselor and I was like, I'm an English major. This is so obvious and clear. And I was so proud of myself. And I called my mom, who had been a teacher for forever. And she said, what are you going to do with that? You don't want to teach. She'd like, And I said, you're right. And so I went back into them. And I said, I don't know. And they said, we have this thing where you actually make your own major. And you have to, you can pull from these different colleges in the five college consortium and build it. And um, my roommate the other night was laughing. She's like, this is such a dumb moment now, all these years <laughs> later, where it was like, you were doing it all along. Like, you couldn't ever do just like the path that was prescribed. Right. You're like, I'm just going to figure it out on my own. So mm. I, yeah, it was never meant to be straight and narrow that's amazing yeah. i've been listening to a lot of things with entrepreneurs like you two and talking about how a lot of our beliefs are prescribed or mm -hmm. we're given them as children and the mm -hmm. beliefs that you have as adults a lot of times you just carry those on because that's what you mm -hmm. believe in but you kind of have to challenge that and push back and figure out how you can do it differently like what you're saying with flourish and foundry and i think I, I mean, I'm one to love knowledge and reading and writing and listening and all these things. But sometimes, too, when you're just doing it and you just are creating and you don't quite know the exact way to get inventory or do all these things that you're supposed to do, it creates a really innovative way, a new way of doing the business. And I think there's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. in that. So how in Flourish and Foundry have your operations been a little bit different per se than say like target or tj maxx sure <laughs> so i mean this is a kind of a realization i had very recently um because obviously the idea of flourish and foundry has existed for a while you know we our online shop um went live a couple of months ago um but i think i've had the realization during conversations with other people who are not really affiliated with our company by all means but with friends or of other just general people that we, we talk to. Um, I think business as usual for a lot of folks, um, I don't think it's inherently bad per se, but I think that it's always like make the most amount of money mm -hmm. with the least amount of resources or the least amount of effort, mm -hmm. which for us looking at it might mean who really cares where you get your boxes from because they serve their purpose and they the bottom line is low um but for us you know the opposite of that well it's not always opposite but the slight shift of that mm -hmm. perhaps is um well sure we could we could get the least expensive boxes to ship as possible but like what's the impact beyond the bottom line mm -hmm. and we're not interested in becoming billionaires like mm -hmm. there's inherent exploitation and like Kind of bullshit that goes into becoming that and what's more important for us is creating a really authentic business that doesn't take advantage of people um that takes a little extra time and perhaps spends a little bit more to buy the right shipping boxes or the recycled ribbon for tying things up mm. or products made by real people and sometimes it's difficult we found to um really narrow down the products we want to sell and like how we want to do it because we're essentially working with a bunch of small businesses and not everyone works the same. And sure. um, so I guess maybe the short answer is uh, it's, we're putting a lot more effort in for the dot, the return right now, because we feel like at the end of the day, that extra effort will create a space where people can trust mm -hmm. that they're not exploiting the environment or other people. Um, but also that like um, it's real and authentic and isn't mm -hmm. just like a facade of mm -hmm. whatever marketing we slap up on our website, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And to kind of pay you back on your idea for entrepreneurs and that prescribed idea from childhood, I think that's sort of what we feel like for our customers with that prescribed world and the corporate 
environment right now, right? Where it's like, you think that this is all that's available to you because mm -hmm. that's what it seems like. And it's been made easy enough that you just kind of go along with it and it feels comfortable. And so we want to not make people uncomfortable, but break them out of that rhythm a little bit mm -hmm. and a peek into that entrepreneur. But like, who are you? Mm -hmm. What is your lifestyle? And then these are our values. Do you relate to that? And this is what they mean. And this is why you can feel good about it. And we've done that work for you so that it, it can, doesn't have to be hard. Mm. We can help you, but we want it to be about you too. Mm. Yeah. That is beautiful. And you both have design backgrounds and yes. you have a reason behind every choice. And I think that's what we learn in school and what we learn through design is that there's a reason behind everything, like what mm -hmm. you're saying back to purpose. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's a really ethical brand with a lot of integrity. It's like you say you're sustainable, you are sustainable. Mm -hmm. you, you say you care and you really do care. How yeah. do you find <laughs> these amazing products and brands to work with? We've done vetting for a long time. So basically, once we decided we wanted to sell products, so even before we knew the store, I think, like yeah. the physical store, we were already trying to search and vet. And it's, um, you know, once you find some, it kind of opens up envelopes for others. Mm -hmm. it, you know, yeah, whether it's through the Instagram algorithm or right. it's just you start to sort of see things either in in shops and stores or online or wherever. Yeah. Um, There's communities of those places. It's like breadcrumbs. A and little we're bit. just touching, yeah. we're just touching on it. We've only, we, you know, we have a small drop in the bucket of the makers that we've already vetted that we want to supply, but that's just the beginning because there's so many everywhere. Um, but again, we wanted to be really mindful and curate and do this at a pace that makes sense and doesn't mm. get ahead of itself too. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love the why. This is amazing. You guys are so good. And you were talking in the car before when we were coming here about wearing so many different hats mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs and just as humans. Mm -hmm. How do you find that balance? And how do you put on the real estate hat to the lawyer hat to the accountant hat and just make it all work and shift your brain and your mindset? Yeah, it's been that. I mean, that's something I mean, because I left my corporate job just two months ago or three months ago, no, two months, three months ago now. Worry, yeah. I think this week it'll be three months, yeah. which is wild. Wow. But um, I mean, so I'm in, in corporate interior design, which I've done for the last, you know, what, 10 years, 12 years, whatever. Um, I was used to, based on the dynamic of projects and deadlines, really, and also my role as a designer, specifically at my last firm, having to switch roles a lot, you know, especially as like a mid-level person you're sometimes managing and leading mm -hmm. sometimes you're sort of this connector individual person and sometimes you're actually doing the production mm -hmm. um so i was really used to that multitasking i think i naturally can think about three or four different things at the same time mm -hmm. um however you know transitioning to this uh, there's no we don't have like really this structure behind <laughs> us holding us up right. and so sometimes i just get overwhelmed and feel like, like things are chaotic just because they are. I'm like, yeah, it's because they are, <laughs> but like, but it's almost like you're like juggling, yeah. but then you almost like, it's almost like you kind of like juggle, you're, you lower your hands so low that you forget you're juggling. You just see the balls up in the air, but you forget that you're actually, it's you controlling the juggling. And um, so it's just, again, I think it's like stepping back and like remembering the purpose and, mm -hmm. um, and like and shifting the perspective and also like calling it out. So if I'm like, Sarah, I feel chaotic today. And she's and she's just not like, she's not like, why you idiot? Why are you, why do you feel chaotic? We know you're not. Obviously we wouldn't do that to one another, but like, I think it's, it's natural to be like, no, everything is okay. It's like, right. it's rather, rather we sort of like talk through it or find it or, or realize we need a new tool or another right. resource sure. again, because we don't have this like big corporate structure behind us with resources at our disposal. Mm -hmm. What's wonderful is there are so many resource, resources out there for entrepreneurs now, different apps and mm -hmm. websites and, and things. Organizations too, and, yeah. Yeah, and we also yeah. built incredible relationships with, um, you know, through the um, city of Boston mm -hmm. for like law services, uh, you know, like real estate law services and accounting and mm -hmm. like all these sort of other uh, people yeah. um, that we're starting to build this really great network with. Wow. And I left the corporate, traditional corporate world, you can say, in 2017 and started a business in the wedding industry. Oh. So I just needed a break from design, wow. although I did design, but I just needed a break from a the walls of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was, I have a young family and it was 
even younger then. Um, and so just as that and dumping, diving into that world, you just have to figure it out. But that was, um, smaller, much smaller scale. So it was easier to say, this is my one client and I do yeah. this design. Um, but as a mom, <laughs> yeah, that, that takes care of the other side of it. Cause you're constantly, I say to Marcus, we had a problem with our printer the other day and it was just he and I, and we were just trying to figure it out we got it done. And after we were done, I said to him, now picture if you were at my house every three to four minutes, there was a three-year-old saying, mom, 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 <laughs> On top of that, and he was like, I can't. <laughs> but so that kind of was a natural forces you to like mm -hmm. learn how to pivot and mm -hmm. lean into what you can do. And um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you do seem like a really good team. 100%. How would you say your personality traits really mesh together and create that balance? When you were saying when you get stressed and I get stressed, what's I think really, really wonderful about us is we never seem to have that happen at the same time because it's for different reasons it is and it yeah. the timing of it works out where we're very good at first of all reading the other person that's from just knowing each other but also i just think that kismet of us being together we just really understand each other on a very innate level mm -hmm. and we're able to kind of match where the other one needs it mm -hmm. so in a moment where marcus might be feeling really stressed i find myself getting a little bit extra calm and I'm able to help him and then vice versa for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where it comes into play where we do think of things a little bit differently too. Cause he can say, I can say, I'm just blocked. I don't get it. I don't know what to do for this next thing. And then you're um, have this really great visionary skill where you can see like a even larger picture of it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, well, let's take a second and raise step back and raise above and look at this from this angle. Mm -hmm. And that just knocks me out of wherever I rut or whatever it was I was in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like natural Venn diagram, if you will, where like I tend to be more visionary, mm -hmm. more kind of like can sort of see the complete picture. Big picture. Um, and then Sarah obviously like can too as a designer to an extent, but also you really thrive on like kind of listing things out and like yeah compartmentalizing and then like doing the tasks totally. or, or creating yeah. the graphic design or creating the inventory process or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And then, and I like can contribute to that and like really sort of see the importance of it, but like get bogged down by that mm -hmm. kind of minutia, if you will. So there's just kind of this natural yep. um, I love that. thing yeah. that, that brings us together where there's something in the middle, but like we definitely thrive on opposite ends. Yeah. In yeah. A way. And that's giving me the like, it's safety. I mean, it's, it's a little unnerving to go into business with your friend. Sure. Yes. A lot of businesses fail. It's um, true. I went into business with a friend and I was like, I love you, but this is tough. Yeah. And I would <laughs> be completely devastating to me if anything did that to our friendship. But I think because it's been so long and because I can see that Venn diagram so well, I feel mm -hmm. really secure in that we, um, we are very vulnerable with each other and vocal about what we need. And I think that that is what can take you to the long haul. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's all about creating the systems for longevity. Right. If you're in business for a hundred years and want to have this thing continue for that long, how can you create the dynamics and systems to really make it last? Mm -hmm. And that's, starts really with a friendship and an understanding and respect for each other, which I totally understand because Amy and I, my boss and I are the same. Like I'm more like you probably with the logistics and the lists and the execution. Yeah. And she's like the huge big picture, the person, the people person, like we balance each other. And it's kind of a beautiful thing because you're able to support each other in ways that other people couldn't. Exactly. Yeah. They fill in what you need and exactly. vice versa. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I also think like one other point from an entrepreneurial perspective that might be interesting to folks is like, I don't know, there's always like sort of snippets online or things that are like, like just dive in, just do it. Like, don't even think about the risks or, you know, or is this, like almost that um, you're sort of better off if you just sort of go for it, if you will. And I think that that's fine to an extent, but I think there's also been something that's helped us. It's almost like we've been betting and like letting the, um, we've been doing it sort of for so long that mm -hmm. that's, we've almost been testing things out, I guess is what sure, I want to say. Sure. So I think taking the time to test and like fail a little bit, like we had, we've had other names for the company. Like we've had, we had a whole kind of different idea that's evolved to what we have now. And I think if we had just rushed into something, mm -hmm. it would have almost been more risky, 
you know, and, and maybe other people maybe would have been successful being that much, you know, doing things more quickly or in a more risky manner. But I just feel like for us, we needed to kind of like have a little bit of life experience sure. to help us really know how to do it right. To have evidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, knowing that we always wanted to do the thing, but not, um, you know, just kind of testing things out as we go. Yeah. Wow. When it comes to people who are listening and their homes, how are you going to help them? Why should they have your products in their homes? I think um, something that has always been really, you know, in addition to um, providing products that are made by real people that are sustainable, that aren't really hurting the environment and that are ethically sourced, um, it's on the other end, on our customer end, it's always about, it's about people as well. It's about their lifestyle. It's not about, you know, shoving a trend in their face or showing a product that looks authentic, but really it's mass produced in China. Mm. Um, and it's also about relationships. That's something that's I've really experienced specifically and what helped me be successful in corporate interior design was building relationships with reps, with vendors, with consultants, with other designers and clients, of course. Uh, and we intend to take that into, um, into this retail business. So sure, someone might come in and they might only be looking for a tea towel or soap or something one day, but we want to get to know people well enough that they feel um, that we'll always kind of be continuing to bring in products and have things available for them based on how their needs and their lifestyle evolves rather than like the color orange is trendy this month. Let's everyone buy the orange thing. It's like, that may not, you may not want that. Um, we're going to of course push people. We're going to like challenge them and make sure they really are thinking thoughtfully about what they want, but or about what they may need. Um, but we're starting with them <laughs> rather than like taking these other ideas that's like highfalutin design people came up with and then like throwing mm -hmm. it at them. You know. huh. We've also heard, speaking of evidence, um, from friends, family, people we've been vetting it to, that um, doing the search for the things is just really difficult. Mm -hmm. Trying to find products that fit, knowing what you even want. Um, and, then, knowing, and then knowing the quality. Yeah, yeah And that they online. are made by real people. Correct. Because everything, so everything is online. online. Yes. Yeah. And so we want to kind of break through that for our customers. And like I said, a earlier, you know, start with a core group of products that we then grow and evolve as our customers grow, mm -hmm. but understanding that you're living a real life. Mm -hmm. So what you see online on Instagram and on some of those TV shows that we might not mention, um, they have a purpose in place and having things that you can aspire to are wonderful, but that sense of failure that you can feel because you don't look like that, or you go into a room that you see, I've seen this for some influencers sometimes, well, the, the behind the scenes, which I love, they'll say, this is what I shot today. And it's this beautiful, you know, curated kitchen. And then they spin around to the back where all the boxes and everything and their daughter's cup is over there and spilled breakfast. And I think we want to be really, um, adamant about saying like, where are you right now in your life? And that's going to evolve and change as we keep saying, and you might have things that you love. I used to use the example of you have your grandmother's hutch mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily mean it's your style that fits into a Scandinavian, you know, but you love it. How do you incorporate that? You know, how do you make that fit in everything that you have with everything that you own? You can have old and new. And, and what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a wonderful analogy. And I like how you mentioned thinking about your friends and your family and asking them the questions and being brave enough to bring up the ideas to them because I think successful businesses really design their business and their, or their product or their service for their best friend because if you're like your best friend, their best friend's probably like their best friend versus like trying to think of this robot human that doesn't exist. Like mm -hmm. this is my customer. No, your friends are your customers. The friends are the ones that are going to support you and fund you and show up at your shop the mm -hmm. first day. So it's so important to create that personal touch so that people can really connect. That's mm -hmm. great. It's funny you yeah. say it too, because I keep saying to Marcus, I can't wait till we have our, we've had, a few sales already, Yay. but I can't wait till we have our first non-friends and family sale. Yes, right now. But trust it has been. Start. I know, but that's Same with exactly pod. to your point. That's yeah. we're ever ever grateful for those people. I they love really that. like lifted us up along the way. Mm -hmm. 
So you both are opening your brick and mortar store. <laughs> our first brick and mortar. We're, we're saying the first That's of crazy. many. And, well, ever, and we're not. We don't even say that a lot. It's like other people. Yeah. People are like, oh, this is your first. It's like only, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we love the. We love that you have faith in us. Yes. Random. <laughs> construction guy or a lawyer yes. or person from the city that expects <laughs> that gets so excited like little puppies yeah. that come in and they're like this is gonna be so great it's your gonna first be one. really yeah. good yeah so your first store so can yes. you talk to us about timeline when's it opening where can people find you all the good stuff sure well that's been a journey too i, I think is if you're going to jump into the entrepreneur zone Patience is yeah. probably your number Patience one. Patience has definitely been key. Mm -hmm. um, though, like I mentioned earlier, we, we built this incredible network. I mean, really what is allowing us to create a brick and mortar shop, which is not cheap, not easy, and not fast, uh, is, you know, we found um, through the city of Boston, we found their space grant program, uh, which they're, you know, this is, we're here in October, they've just launched another round, but essentially what the city has done is they took funds they received from the federal government through the ARPA program and are intentionally using them for arts and culture for one grant program and for this grant mm -hmm. uh, to help people um, in Boston open brick and mortar shops to really enliven neighborhoods and downtown and invest in small business. And so that's what made it real. And we applied for that, um, uh, like what Valentine's December. Day? Well, oh, yeah, December right, started. Right. We, yes. we applied in um, on Valentine's Day, yeah. and we kind of were hearing things. Or like they suggested that we start looking for retail spots, knowing um, that we would. Even just finding the right network to do that was a while. We don't need to go into all those details, but basically, long story short, we started looking at the end of March, mm -hmm. early April for a physical retail mm -hmm. spot. We finally got connected with a great broker. Um, and we found a great spot. So it was it was really like two months after we applied for the grant, way before we heard about the grant. Uh, and of course, that's six months ago. Um, and that uh, and then kind of amid kind of negotiating the cost of the retail build out and like what the lease terms would be, we found out that we won the grant in May, which is awesome. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's an, it's enough money for us to be able to really get the build out and support our operational costs and some of the lease as well. Um, and then they didn't announce us as a, publicly as a grant winner. So we couldn't really talk about it um, until July. Mm. And again, we were negotiating kind of the high cost for construction and really like just trying to set up the business, but also figure this out at the same time. When we should say that space we're looking, I don't know if you said it was in downtown Boston, yeah. which is one of the places where they were trying to focus with the grant specifically. And we felt like it was a really great fit. It just happens to be very expensive as well. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but here we are in October. Um, you know, we're going to get the grant funds. We've also done some additional fundraising um, through community-based um, fundraising platform called Mainvest. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we uh, had our first construction meeting this last week um, and we should be, we're about eight weeks out from opening. Wow. So that'll put us into that first or second week of um, December. Perfect for the holidays. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. And where in Boston is it? So it's at 18 Tremont Street, which is... Um, really kind of between uh, government center and kind of school street area. Um, I used to work at Gensler. Gensler okay. is literally across the street. <laughs> you can wave to them so exactly. I, we, can, we can wave to them on the second and third you floor. You say, come on your lunch break. Yeah, come on your lunch break. <laughs> yes, I'm shopping. Um, but it's, in a, you know, right along um, the Freedom Trail. So we're really expecting Amazing. to get a lot of tourist traffic. And it's also so accessible by the T when the T functions properly, but generally like we're right near the financial district right now where a lot of people come into the office, sure. but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the most part. Um, but we're also really close to Beacon Hill mm. downtown where they're continuing to build more um, residential and a short walk, of course, to Seaport and other neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, but in what we've decided to do, which, you know, certainly isn't like, written in stone yet, but what we're negotiating right now is actually doing a pop-up at the Innovation and Design Building in the mm -hmm. Seaport. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same landlord, and so they graciously um, connected us, and we're going to do kind of a one-month pop-up during the holidays just to really get our product um, in front of people so we can sell and have them experience, um, you know, our handmade 
goods and things that it's hard to tell maybe how they feel and how they, the quality of them online. Um, And so that's going to be a really great kind of interim opportunity for us to welcome people in our, in our doors. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I'm so happy for you. And the whole design community is so happy for you. Once I saw the post or it was a post. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, Amy, did you hear about this? And then like all of a sudden I was like, have you heard about Marcus? It was a buzz and it continues. And that's, thrilling for you guys. So when people walk into the store, if we're envisioning right now, Mm -hmm. what can they expect to see when they walk in? How are they going to feel and what kind of goods are you having in there? The store itself has a few different modes. One is you can come in and shop products and leave with those products and that's perfectly fine. So we have what we've kind of adapted as a product use cycle. So we're recognizing there's products that you're going to refill and reuse from cleaning supplies to some textiles. So those you'll be able to come in and grab and go. And then the other element um, for some of those either larger scale purchases or things you want to take a little more time with, we're treating it more as a showroom. Mm -hmm. So um, dishware, for example, um, first of all, no one's going to want to carry a whole set on the train. That just sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And a liability, I'm sure our insurance adjuster would be horrified at the thought. (laughs) Um, But so the idea you can come in and like Marcus said, really get a sense of what those dishes look like um, and see vignettes of them on display, but we want Mm -hmm. it to never feel like you can't touch it. We want you to get in there and experience the product. Um, And then that's something that maybe you purchase and we can ship to you. and then what we're also really excited about is we want this to be an ongoing growing community and a space to learn together and also just have fun experiences. Mm-hmm. So we will be hosting ongoing events regularly every week and they will come and go and change. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably going to announce them um, monthly. So mm-hmm. you watch out for our monthly drop. That'll be really cool. Um, but this sense of small people getting together and just learning skills, be it things about the home, or different ways to experience the product. Mm-hmm. Um, come make a charcuterie board yeah. and just sip out of our beautiful glasses. And again, just get in. I think we were at a restaurant once and I said, you know, you're eating off this plate and I love it, but I wouldn't get that experience in a store to say, mm-hmm. I, I like this. I like the feel of this plate. I like the weight of this plate. Right. It's just a very different way of experiencing a product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as like the design of this, the store um, and kind of like, what you're, what you're, if you're like closing your eyes and you're like, this is what you're experiencing. Um, you know, when you walk in, there's like this going to be this great kind of round desk and the really, the front area is really going to, it's not going to really be like product display. It's going to be sort of set up as elements of your home. So like mm-hmm. dining, living, we're going to have a hearth. Wow. And the intent is like you walk in and you just feel welcome. You feel warm. Um, a, a former coworker, you know, he used to work at a surf shop. He's like, imagine your shop like a surf shop except instead of surfers and skaters it's like cute chic design people just hanging out <laughs> I love the, yeah. um now it's not now you can't just like come in and hang out all day without buying stuff i might do um, <laughs> or you can and that's totally fine I'll buy stuff. but we want it again we, we don't want it to feel transactional right there's going to be transaction but we want you just to feel comfortable we want you also to come in and feel like Oh, I loved those plates. Can I just like, oh, I want to just look at them again. We want you to feel comfortable yeah. coming in and like, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to spend 200 or $500 on a really amazing dishware set, that's an investment that you're going to have for the next 30 years. Sure. sure come in and out and like experience it, come in and show your friends. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really what we were taking, what we've learned from the commercial design world where there's so many resources yeah. from samples to showroom experiences, whether it's sort of virtual or in person or of different scale. Um, you know, we of course put ourselves in a convenient location, we feel like, so people will just drop in, but it also, we want it to be a destination for both events and experiences, but also if you're just kind of in the area and want to just check out what new products we have. Mm -hmm. And is it going to be a lot of local artisans so that people coming from Europe or coming from the West coast can really experience the kind of East coast, New England vibe? That's a very interesting question. And I came up with the space grant application too, because like I said, they really wanted to um, build the local community. And it's not that there aren't wonderful makers and artisans, and we certainly will be trying to raise them. Um, But in keeping with our values and aligning and making sure that we're finding the people that really fit where 
what we're doing right now. We had to expand that a little bit mm -hmm. further. Going to be really great about the product offering we have is that there, um, there's a lot of ability to have things at different scale. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of our staple products are going to be from around the country for the most part. Um, some things are produced internationally, um, but everything fits within our values. So it has a low impact on the environment. It's ethically made, ethically sourced. Um, but we're intentionally going to be leaving space for the continual discovery of local artisans um, that do more small batch things. Mm -hmm. So it's not um, sustainable for us to have a shop that's all small batch, like little right. one-offs. Um, we do need things that sort of create... Um, uh, a sense of sort of like, you, so you know who we are because of yeah. the type of products mm -hmm. that we have, mm -hmm. um, but we, we are intentionally leaving space for complementary things. Mm -hmm. So for example, here in New England, there's a lot of candle makers. There are some ceramics makers. Mm -hmm. um, there um, are a couple of like kind of other types of kind of home goods kind of makers. But again, um, based on kind of the local market, the dynamic of the wholesale environment and retail environment, mm -hmm. um, it's really just gonna be a little bit of um, local and a little bit of beyond. Nice, that makes sense. Yeah. And to challenge you for a second, we're talking, sure. we're all designers here, so sure. we're speaking the same language. Yeah. But if people are listening and they're like completely not in our world, they're say accountants or you know in the medical world, they're doctors right now and they're listening, yeah. how are you gonna sell them on this, plate that you were talking sure. about and experiencing the meal because to most people it's like okay it's a plate it's a bowl yep. it's a cup i'm just wondering how are you really going to um create a deeper connection with objects if that makes sense it does i so a long time ago we had a focus group and it was with our peers so it felt a little padded but it was very very helpful because it was a different mix of personalities yes and while they spoke design they all had different like modes of how they approached it. Yeah. And um, what came up for some of them is I just want someone to suggest this for me. I, if it's someone that I trust or someone that I view as an expert mm -hmm. and they say, I think this would be really good. And this is why mm -hmm. to kind of help lead me to that object. So I think it's that mix where we really, like I said earlier, want to focus on your lifestyle. So mm -hmm. instead of saying this is the trend and why you should get it, it's yeah. more like, tell me accountant, like, what is your day like? What are you using these dishes for? Um, are you clumsy in the kitchen and you need something really durable sure. that like can handle it? Or, um, you know, are you going to do you love to entertain and you want to have enough or a certain style for that kind of a thing. And so really talking about materiality and use and durability mm -hmm. and why, because I think that's something that as designers we can take for granted. We either are naturally curious about it and care and find out more about it, or that's just what we're taught and it's sure. our language. Mm -hmm. And I think that language isn't as available to everybody mm -hmm. else in the consumer world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people are used to walking into a store or doing a quick search or going on to Amazon mm -hmm. and searching for the thing they need and then it's available and then they order it and then it arrives and sometimes it meets your expectations and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But I think when that's your only experience, especially, you know, if you're like a millennial, for example, you really came into adulthood with the internet mm -hmm. and access to online shopping. So and we've also don't have, we're also not like our generation is not particularly wealthy or it's taking a lot of us longer to like really build our homes. And so I think we're leaning into um, building relationships with people, being very open and honest with people mm -hmm. and helping them understand that it's okay to slow down a little bit. It's okay to spend a little bit more because these products, one, represent values that are important for us. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, we can, we're sort of this trustworthy source. It's important to a lot of our customers, um, even beyond our friends, people we talk to, they're like, yeah, I really would rather have sustainable bed sheets that are going to last me years rather than not. Um, but it's difficult to find them. Right. And we're also just really going to lean into, um, kind of that tactile experience and mm -hmm. then help people understand like, Oh, this stoneware plate feels this way is this weight is, you know, all the, all of the, the great important aspects of the product. Um, these, this is why this is that way. Mm. Um, we're also not 
show, going to be showcasing products that are all at this top tier price point. Sure, compared to like a store you can walk in that's considered a bargain department store, mm -hmm. our dishes are probably going to be more expensive than those. But there's a story and there's quality and value and um, longevity, longevity kind of baked into something yeah. that is made with the, the makers that we are showcasing. I love that. It sounds like heirloom, kind of like what you're saying about your grandmother's hut. You're going to have these pieces for a long time. And being in sales, I know just selling to all types of people, it's an education. It's a re-education because what we're told sure. is that go to Amazon the, or everything that you want is online and you can get it within five seconds. But it's almost like we're you're challenging the norm here and you're trying to push back a little bit because we're trying to teach people like it's okay to slow down a little bit. It's okay sure. to care about what you're buying and know what you're buying. And having that transparency with people creates a lot of trust. Yeah, for sure. And, and I and I, you know, try, we try not to focus on kind of the negative aspects of what that means. But I think um, in this environment, I think I want to be very explicit that like if you're buying things from large corporate companies um, that mass produce stuff, there's inherently people getting taken advantage of. Inherently, there's a huge price to the environment. And we're not saying we're the solution for all of those things. But what we're going to showcase is a way to do it differently. It's like, sure, we want to make our homes beautiful and perfect and then never have to touch them again. But that's not reality. That's what you see on TV. That's what's produced. Mm -hmm. And even we've, we've had friends work for some of those HGTV shows. And at the end of the day, sort of what you see as a finished product, it doesn't actually represent what gets lived in at the end of uh, you know, after the show, after they pack up the production yeah. equipment and, and leave. And so we're also going to be like, it's okay not to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also okay if you don't want to purchase this entire set of whatever we're showing. Like, how about you pur purchase a couple things, sure. test them out, mm -hmm. um, and then add to your collection later of dishware or towels or whatever. Um, and so I, you know, we're not going to lead necessarily with the negative, but also there is something important in, in speaking to truth, mm -hmm. <laughs> speaking to what I think people, a lot of us feel um, is that like, as consumers, we're getting to take advantage of because we're seeing prices raise, mm -hmm. but like quality doesn't raise. And so we're inherently going to have this like mid or higher price point for a lot of our products, not everything, but a lot of the things. But with that comes value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With that comes quality. With that comes the understanding that there's like real humans that like touched and made and glazed and wo weaved yeah. <laughs> uh, and packaged and sent your products to you rather mm -hmm. than people that were taken advantage of in a factory. Well, and it's kind of disrupting the current a little bit because I think it's just, yeah. it's not what, I mean, there's a lot of advantages to getting things quickly. Sometimes you need them. I mean, we were all were stuck in our homes and it was yeah. a way to get items, but I, we're hearing time and time again that people don't, we just got in that current and just it swept us away. And that's just what we all got used to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, especially the generation, as you mentioned, the millennial generation where we're in, who are building homes right now, they still remember what it's like to not be in that current of let's just go, 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 go. And I feel like there's this cry for wanting to slow down. They just don't know how. Exactly. And so we want to help provide that, mm -hmm. <laughs> reach down to you and pull you out of that current for yeah. a moment. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. so interesting. I've been reading a lot about the digital natives of now, like probably like your kids growing mm -hmm. up with technology and young people, all people, I think, have this angst and like what you're talking about being in that fast moving current that we're just too connected almost. We're too connected sure. to our screens. We're too long. We know too many things. We know too many things. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sure. <laughs> so, to an extent, for sure. Yeah. So I think this is so interesting. Flourishing Foundry is so interesting because you're really creating a story here that needs to be told through retail, through products. And I think that's an amazing thing. And how did the name come up? I was just going to say, I feel like this is <laughs> a good place to talk about that. So um, we really, again, spent a lot of time writing down the values and goals and whatever this was. And that's how the name arose. So Flourish is this idea of where you are in your life, where you're actually curating your home. And it's not this perfected thing like we keep saying. It's just you're in a place where you're able to um, purchase items and um, 
you're, you're flourishing and that's different for everybody. That's a different point mm -hmm. for everybody where they are. Um, boundaries are a really cool word because that's actually where the things are made. So it's actually where metal is cast, mm -hmm. but our idea and interpretation is that that's the closest to the real material of where that product is being made that you can get. Um, and we just loved the composition of those words together um, of saying, this is about you. And it's also about where these items are from and the makers that are behind them. And then we're kind of just the, the caveat between them to bring those things together. Wow. Yeah. And I love like stepping back and thinking about it as, you know, uh, flourish you kind know, of represents thriving and beauty and foundry is represents something that's very raw mm -hmm. and kind of in process mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we view ourselves as that way and that, that really representative of our values but also we rep we like you said uh, that represents our customers mm -hmm. like we want to help you thrive but we also want to help you understand the authenticity um kind of the process behind doing mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. So you have that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that story. So how can people find you and connect with you online? If they listen to this interview and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to learn more. I want to connect. I want to buy. How can they do that? Sure. So I mean, our biggest um, social media presence uh, is on Instagram. Um, our handle is at Flourish Foundry. Um, you know, there you can find all of our links to our shop and everything. But our website is um, Flourish and Foundry Shop. You can always email us at hello at Flourish and Foundry Shop. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, through Instagram, you know, that's really where we're sort of showcasing the products. Uh, so we'll continue to sort of share um, our story. Um, but on our website, we also have a blog where we share our point of view for values and sort of, you know, what we're seeing in the world related to home goods and design and, you know, things that are important to us as well. And lastly, we have a newsletter also. So that's usually attached to the blog whenever we have a new blog post. Nice. There's a newsletter that comes out with that, but we also like to send that for just news, information, tips. Um, so the links for that are on our social media and the website as well. Um, so lots of ways to get information. And then, Good. like you said, we're hoping to open up the doors by the end of the year. And we can't wait to just welcome everybody inside and get this thing going. That is so <laughs> exciting. We're all so happy for you. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on today. I loved hearing awesome. about the story and the why behind Flourish and Foundry. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. I hope you learned a lot from that show because I know I did. If you are interested in learning more and finding out resources about this guest and this show, please visit my website at lilygraceyork.com and go follow and tag me on Instagram at lilygrace underscore lifestyle. Please share anything and everything that inspired you today. You all are so amazing and I would not be here without you. Thank you so much and I cannot wait for the next show. Stay tuned.